21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Here you are, Mark, Mark, Mark. Me, 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 me. <laughs> How you doing, man? How are you? Thank you very much, sir. I'm, I'm fine. What made you decide to lose weight? In your late 30s. Honestly, I hit the point in my life where I thought, is this it? Like, like, is this the rest of my life? I, I'm destined to just buy bigger clothing. I'm destined to just be a fat guy. I'm destined to, to feel terrible and not be able to tie my shoes without holding my breath or walk up a flight of stairs. Is this it? No, they, this couldn't possibly. I was only 35. <laughs> what could be then your favorite and, and maybe most frightening dream? in life, per se? Nice question, easy question. My deepest fear is, is, that the, is that I'm full of shit. Is that the high hopes that I have for myself, the dreams I set, the ones that I write down, that I work on towards every day, that I don't have what it takes to make it happen. And so I'm an idiot for even believing that I, that I could. Like, like, I'm so deluded and I'm so stupid. Why did I even think that I could make that happen? That is my biggest fear. Do you think that self-belief, self-confidence go with uh, being successful person, as person, as entrepreneur? No, not at all. No, because, because if you're progressing, the next thing that you're biting off is always bigger than the last thing you bit off. And while, while it's, it's, it's nice to say uh, rationally, hey, like, remember all these past wins, remember all these things that you did in the past, we're growing and we're hitting the next challenge and the next challenge is bigger and it's scarier. And yeah, cool. I was able to do that a few years ago, but, but what if I can't today? What if the world has changed? What if the, the circumstances have changed? And so I think that we can inch our way up things, but I, I honestly believe the only way to build self-confidence self is to continually put yourself in situations that you are uncomfortable with and continually challenge yourself, whether that's mentally or physically, honestly, in most areas outside of business. So that way you can build a self-esteem and a self-confidence that I am a badass. I can put myself in painful situations. I can make sacrifices. And therefore, when it comes to money, when it comes to team, when it comes to opportunities, it's a little more intangible, but you, you remember how badass you were at this other thing you did. You know, I absolutely agree with you. Sometimes I'm scared as hell. And I'm trying not to be on autopilot or, you know, in, in, in trance state of mind and to be more aware, more into awareness. Uh, what exactly is personal transformation for you? Uh, you know, I, I try not to get caught up on the terms, but, but I, think you have, I think starting with self-awareness like really understanding if you know where you are and you're clear on that, which means facing the truth, like the hard truth, and you know where you want to be, which means getting really specific with that vision or that goal, that scary thing that I'm not sure if it'll happen. But if you can start with those two points, 
and really facing hard truths and really being clear on what you want. That's the first step. And every step between where you are today and where you want to be comes down to self-awareness. Like how anything we measure, we can improve upon, right? And we know that if we focus on sales, suddenly sales goes up. And if we focus on operations, suddenly our team is getting along better. And if if we focus on launching a new product and push it out, suddenly the new product is birth, birthed in the world. Because where our energy goes and where we measure our progress, we're able to make these improvements. And so in the journey of, of transformation from where you are to where you want to be, it has to come back to kind of watching yourself as a third party or getting a coach or talking things out. That self-awareness is the thing that will help give you the feedback you need to make these little corrections along the way. I'm still learning what love is and how important it is in my life. What's your opinion? So we have self-awareness. And what about love? I mean, I'm still learning. I, I still do not know how deep did I immerse into love regarding myself, regarding my girlfriend, yeah. my partner, yeah. my life, my job. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a husband. Uh, my wife and I have been married for 17 years. We've been together for 22. I'm only 39 years old. So you can do the math, you know, like, like I was 17. She was 16 when we started going out. And so if you asked me, love is, is very different with my wife from day to day, week to week, month to month, season by season, year by year. I I've learned that there's, that there's, um, love, which is an attraction. There's love that is an excitement. There's love that is a trust or a deep commitment to one another. There's love that's a sacrifice. You know, I think if we looked at something like, I don't know if it's ancient Greek or whatnot, but if you went back, I know that in the Bible, for example, or the Torah, there's different versions of love. There's brotherly love versus romantic love. And, and in, in English, we have one word for it, great. But the love I have for my kids, my four kids, the, the uh, love I have for challenges and work, all of those things outstrip the love I have for myself. And, 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 and that's something that, that I think most of us face, we would lay down our lives for others, but we won't, you know, go to the gym for an hour a day for ourselves because that feels selfish. We would give our kids every single penny that we have to do anything they want, but we won't treat ourselves with something. You know, in, in business or work, we'll go over the top to, to try and please clients, but then we are penny pinching with our own team and our own staff, right? Like, so... I don't know what version of love you want to talk about, man. I don't want to go deeper into that topic because <laughs> I have a lot more questions to ask you. Uh, sorry, I'm a deep let's, guy. Let's, let's go. No, no, no. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we can uh, talk about emotional maturity as well. So now you are more emotional mature than you were before. So how do we reconcile our past with our present self? Oh, that's such a great question. Because for so many years, so I go deep, go deep, Mark. Now you can go deep. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I beat myself up. I used to beat myself up all the time. Like, like, oh man, why did I make that mistake? And ah, oh, like, what a stupid thing. And why did I waste all that time thinking that this partnership was going to work? And how dumb was I for trusting that? Per like, I would just hold everything against me. And my friends, you know, I'm really good friends with, with a guy named Evan Carmichael. Many people may know him from YouTube or other things. And he'd say, Mark, Mark, 
you did the best you can at the time. And that wasn't good enough for me. Like that wasn't enough for me to let myself off the hook. But what I've, what I've come to do is to realize that, that every single time, every part of life is, is an experience. And that experience helps shape me. It helps make me stronger. I think of it like a video game. And I don't play a lot of video games, but when I used to back in the day, you got to level up, right? You start off, you know, maybe a Final Fantasy game or a role-playing game or something. And what do they got? You're like a wooden, a wooden stick. <laughs> and then suddenly the wooden stick becomes like a metal one. And then you get a shield and then you get armor and then your team joins you and they're stronger. And as you're working through it, you're like building experience points and you're building health points and you're building agility and you're getting better. And what I've realized is every mistake that I've made and every time that I've screwed up, um, I'm wasting time and energy beating old version of me up as opposed to just going like, hey, that was high school. That was college. That was university. Like, like it was, if, if I had to go to college, which I didn't really do, but if I had to go to college or university, I would pay people money to sit in a class for a few years to learn stuff. Hey, this mistake that I just made, I didn't have to, maybe it cost me, but I didn't have to pay anyone anything. I didn't have to sit for a few years in school to learn this lesson. I got to learn it in real time. And so every time something takes a year or two when I hoped it would take three months, I just remember that this is like my schooling because I didn't go to college. I didn't go to university. I didn't do any of these things. I'm leveling up video game wise. And this right now, this period of time is, is the school, the education that I need to put in to get myself to the next level. What are some of the key takeaways uh, that you cannot learn in school? I think too many times, my generation, especially in younger, I have a 16-year-old. She's my oldest. You know, she's getting ready to finish high school and go off to school. And I talk to her all the time. We are living in an achiever uh, society, right? And achievers like you, like me, high achievers, we want to achieve. And so when you go off to school, and this is what I did, the mistake I made, um, when in school you're chasing grades or chasing the test scores or chasing to get into the right school and the right program and all of that stuff, then, then even in your career, when you're chasing the next promotion or the right company or the right project, it's the wrong thing. You're, that is the wrong focus. If you went to school to learn how to learn, if you went to school to build a stronger network or foundational knowledge to take you, to take you into a practical area, if you went to school because, frankly, you're going into an industry, you know, you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, and it's an academic, and it's like, this is what, or a researcher, like, there are paths where you have to go into schooling because it makes sense. But, but I have learned that, you know, I'm a lifelong learner. I got stacks of books. I listen to things all the time. I'm always consuming stuff. And, and because I didn't go to university or college, I always felt like I was missing something. But over the last 20 years, I actually think I never stopped learning because I didn't go to school. And I think most people go to school and go, job done. I went to school. I'm done learning. Go ahead and just give me the opportunities. Let me just win all the time. It's, that's not how it works. And I remind my kids and, and younger people I speak to, like, like, go to school to learn how to learn. Go to school to learn where you thrive. Go to school to figure out which topics 
and areas of interest actually ex- inspire you and go to school to be challenged, like to be exposed to different points of view from different backgrounds, from different people. Go ahead and get offended because all of those things will make you more well-rounded. So that way, when you do go off and do the things that you want to do, those big dreams, when you go chase them down and take on the big risks, you have that foundation. How to motivate Generation Z, 15, 16 years old? I don't think there's any difference between motivating a younger generation and, and any other form of motivation. I think, I think we get caught up in the like, oh, but they're so different than us. And it's sure. But the only way to motivate people is to meet them where they're at. And whether this is a marketing campaign or a sales campaign or an education system or a, a mindset shift or you know, helping our younger generation come up, you have to meet them where they are at. And, and this is a struggle for us as older people because, because I was trained by people you know, two generations ahead of me in a system that trained them that was two generations ahead of them. And now we're asking our young people to go through a system that, that is, frankly, was built for baby boomers that is barely being able to adjust. So I think we need to just very pragmatically realize that the world has shifted a lot in the last 10 years alone. We are at the early stages of, from a society point of view, we are at the early stages of something we have never seen before. It's an experiment that's happening in real time. And so if you want to motivate Gen Z or younger people, you need to really understand what they care about. What do they want and what do they care about? We can't tell them what to care about. We can't, I can't, I can't make my daughter want to get better grades. I can't make someone in their 20s want to pick a company or a career path and stick to it for the rest of their lives. <laughs> like I just because it's natural to people older than us, uh, you know, and it's like, this is how life works. They're the ones, you know, I, I've heard it said that if you had to pick at, at the family dinner, whether you want to side with grandpa on his political views or his, his views of society, or you want to you want to side with the grandkids, the little ones, the nieces and nephews, pick the nieces and nephews, even if it makes you uncomfortable, only because they are the ones who are going to shape the world in the future. Grandpa's not shaping the world. Older people aren't shaping the world. We need to learn from and embrace younger points of view simply because at a certain point, they will be the point of view. And so we just got to get comfortable with that. Oh, I feel so, so much of your energy and positivity and engagement. So what's your formula? And I really feel it. It's really very powerful. You know what feels so good? It's COVID gave me coverage. I started a marketing agency in 2006. I was 23 years old. And my wife wasn't working because she was still in college. She was going to college. Uh, and I decided the week my daughter was born, she has no income. <laughs> She's not making any money. My daughter is a week old. And I decided I'm going to quit my job and start an agency. And it seemed like a good idea at the time in 2006. And so I, I ran that agency very poorly, learning lots of hard lessons, almost going bankrupt in 2009, just struggling to get by. But by 2010, 2011, we're a million dollar company. 
by 2015, we're doing, you know, national commercials with, with huge companies, the NBA and all these different players. It's a multi-million dollar company. By the time COVID hits, I have 24 full-time staff, but I didn't like going into work. Every time that, you know, I would, I would, I could not wait for Christmas break because I could just put down the phone, put down the email and just run away from the business life I had created for myself. And I spent a long time struggling with the fact that I had built this thing that, that I frankly didn't like, didn't enjoy doing, wasn't a part of it. Like I just, I had to spend so much energy just showing up that it's no wonder that really the business behind the scenes was not doing well. It was crumbling. It was burning all around me. And so COVID actually gave me coverage because unfortunately or fortunately, all of our clients put all of their projects on hold. We had, you know, like close to a million dollars worth of work just instantly get put on hold or disappear. And some people leave the company. I have to let some people go. I have to restructure. But the energy I have today is because I get to spend more often than not doing things that I love doing with people that I love doing the work with. And what I've come to realize is, is I've spent the last few years shifting my mindset, shifting my health, rethinking what a schedule could look like, rethinking what business growth can look like. And it's scary. It's, it's, it's incredibly scary. There's a lot of uncertainty because I, I haven't built a business this way before. I've spent 15 years grinding and hustling and, and look at all the money I have and look at all the things I can do. And now I, I feel like a little bit naked, but I get to spend time doing things that light me up. I get to look at my calendar, I'd say two, three days a week, at least I'm looking at, I get to do this today. This, this is my day. This is what I get to do. When my, when my phone rings, I don't go like, oh, my phone is ringing. When I get an email from a client, I don't go, oh gosh, what do they want now? Oh, who screwed up? What mistake did we make? What, none of, all of that stuff's gone. And so when you release yourself that weight that I didn't even realize I was caring for so many years, it's just like, it's freeing, man. It really is. What's your daily routine? And do you smoke pot or do you meditate or do you... <laughs> I've, I've, I've done both. I've done both of those. Okay, I've, we can keep going. I've done all three of those. Um, what's my daily routine? I, I, I do struggle with consistency on, on the routine side. Like I love change and I love changing things up. So I do struggle with that, but I try to get up every day between like four and 4.30 in the morning. And it doesn't matter what time you get up. You know, I'm not trying to say like, hey, if you get up at five or four or three or whatever it is, but I like to get up at four, 4.30. Um, I like to... to to, to spend a little bit of time waking up. And um, honestly, I try to remind myself of who I am in the morning. I'm not great at meditating practices. Um, I'm not consistent with journaling. Uh, so it always changes from day to day to day because I just don't like doing the same thing every day. But, but what I try to do with intention is, is look at my calendar, try to decide what, what the thing is that I need to accomplish. And for me, I used to, um, I, I really suck at time management and prioritizing. <laughs> I, have, I think I have ADHD, but because uh, my son has it, but um, I really st struck, suck at this. And I used to expect the day to get like 
10 things done. And then at the end of the day, I'd only get three of them done. And I would feel like garbage because I got so few things. So what I'm really good at now is actually listing the things that I'm hoping to accomplish and then putting how long I think it'll take beside them, but then prioritizing them in order too. So, so if I think I can do three things in a day or four things in a day amongst my meetings and amongst all my other responsibilities, and I think it's going to take 90 minutes to do this and 60 minutes to do that and 45 minutes to do this. If getting through the first one, I realize it's not 90 minutes. It's actually three and a half hours because I suck at this. I then release the bottom of the list. Well, because there's no, there's no possible way that I could ever get this stuff done. Because the first thing that I thought would take 90 minutes is taking three and a half hours. And I just release it. And I go, I guess that's tomorrow. And then the next day, I wake up and I do the same thing. And so I do, you know, I, I do work out on kind of on average, unless it's my day off, about two hours a day. And I'm, I'm a father of four. And, you know, I do all the cooking in my house and the kids are running around doing this. And I make sure every day at the end of the day at 4 p.m., because now I finish work at four, I go for a one hour walk with my wife every day where we could just talk about what happened, what happened to her, what's happening in the week. It's like a, it's like a, a business meeting. Sometimes it's philosophical, but, but just starting the day at the same time every single day. Hoping, you know, reminding myself of who I am and planning out my day in such a way that there's room for things to kind of come up along the way. So I'm not feeling that constant pressure to produce. And then knowing at 4 p.m., like, like today at 4 p.m., I'm going to get to go for a walk with my wife. I'm going to get to transition into the evening time. I got a whole lot of stuff to do later. And then the big thing is often we set alarms to get up, but we don't set alarms to go to sleep. I have a bedtime alarm that goes off that basically says, hey, it's 9 p.m. Like, dude, you got to get up early tomorrow morning. And, uh, and sometimes pot helps as well. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. In this phase of your life, are you open? What's the, what's the ratio uh, between opportunities coming to you and you actively engaging into creating opportunities? Yeah. Because I feel uh, that you are in completely new phase of your life. That I, I am. Finally, opportunities are here all over the place. I mean... You're glowing, man, you know? <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, it's something that I'm getting more comfortable with. Not for, for, for me, and I'll only speak for me, but I think a lot of people feel like when you're trying to force something, when you're trying to force something to work the way you want it to work, when you want it to work, all of that stuff, it feels good because it feels like you're making progress, right? Like at least you're not sitting around doing nothing. You're doing something and it's working really hard and it's forcing. But sometimes you force things so much that, that it actually, you don't leave room for things to happen the way they're supposed to. And so a few months ago, I read this book that was written in, the in 1960. It's a really old book called uh, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics. Oh, and second order Psycho-Cybernetics. Yeah, it's, a, it's like, it, it blew my mind. I loved every aspect of this book and I've read it and I've reread it since then. But, but here's the thing that I've, that I'm now testing. I like to, I like to learn these things and go, well, if it's in a book, I, what if I just believed it as opposed to second guessing, as opposed to questioning, as opposed to all this stuff, like, what if I just took this as truth and tried it and see how it went? And what they suggest is, Hey, you have no idea when and how this is going to work out. So it's your job, as I mentioned earlier, it's your job to really understand what you want and face that truth. Where are you today? What do you want? 
and really have a clear vision of, of what you want it to look like. But release completely the how and release completely the when. Just, mm-hmm. just keep talking, keep taking steps forward. So what does this look like in regular life for opportunity? We've developed a brand new product that I say developed a new product, but basically I took 10 years of what I've been doing and I've tailored it now for a new, a new group of people. We, we have this amazing brand strategy process that we would typically use for like these huge international companies and these, these national commercial campaigns and these really big projects. But I've right-sized it now for, for personal brands, for speakers, for coaches, for entrepreneurs, for consultants. And I'm a little uncomfortable because it's like, normally I would have, um, you know, I have the sales page, I have the sales deck and normally I would be starting, you know, the, the pay-per-click campaign and the YouTube campaign. And I'd be going to Facebook and I'd be like, how do we spend $15,000 a month on this? And, and how do we hire the inbound salesperson? And like, how do we start churning? And I might blow through a few thousand, hundred thousand dollars, like to get this product off the ground. And instead I'm just going like, I have this really amazing thing. And I keep talking to people about it and I keep finding new contacts and going like, Hey, I got this cool thing. You got a really great commission process. Like maybe, you know, some people who need it, maybe you can help us sell it. I don't know. I like, I pictured, I pictured doing 36 of these a year and we've done it for a long time and we're really, really good at it. But I've, I've like let go of how many months this will take, how we go about it. And I'm just seeing if by having this clear vision of how, of what, what success looks like, and me just taking steps forward, talking to people about it, setting up the meetings, just just doing stuff, but but not trying to control how it happens or when it happens. This is a pretty cool test for me because if and when I, I believe it, when it works out, I'll be able to look back and go, "Huh, that only took nine months," and those nine months weren't stressful, and I wasn't I wasn't carrying the stress of going through like twenty grand a month in ad spend or all this other stuff. Like, just let's just see what happens. Let's report back. Maybe in a year, I'll be like, <laughs> boy, that was, that was a really hippie approach to life and business. But I've spoken to enough people who've done this. I just, I just know it's going to work out. How are you making money? What's your business model today? So, so today, my agency, Fanta, Phantom Media is, is a consultancy with done-for-you services. So it's, it's been interesting because we built our entire company for, for 15 years where it was a production, creative production company. So done-for-you production services, making videos, making sales landing pages, um, helping people with strategy and with live events and all the, all the creative content and technical stuff. And we are very good at the production side of things. But the consulting side was always the small thing. But it's the thing where we have the biggest impact. It is where we differentiate more than anything else. And it's the thing, it, it, it's, it's what we love and are the best at. And it's very uncomfortable for me, again, to, to shift from this, this decade plus, these like basically 18 years of knowing this is the process and this is how it works and this is how I sell it and use the cost structure and everything to, to consulting. But, uh, but essentially, you know, our business model is based off of now moving towards towards consulting being the main aspect of what we do on the brand strategy side. So helping people determine their goals, helping them really understand their target audience, helping them understand the competitive intel in the marketplace, and then crafting how to stand out and be different. 
and we have some done for you services, but but we're now a little bit more selective. But over the next 24 months, the goal is to be 100% consultancy. And that's a little scary for me. I mean, maybe consultants go like, ah, oh, it's the only way to go. But <laughs> So like one really uh, amazing story that I'm proud of is, is a guy named Nick Bradley. Now, Nick Bradley out of the UK uh, has the number one business podcast in the UK. He's a guy who comes from the M&A world, so mergers and acquisitions, and he was a corporate guy. But a few years ago, he decided he's going to start his own consultancy and his own business. He's going to help entrepreneurs scale up and exit their business through acquisition. The very thing he was trained in, in this big corporate world, he's going to do this. So he launches this podcast and it takes off. It's, 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 it's pretty darn successful. People love hearing this guy and, he, and he, Nick is amazing. People love hearing him speak about how businesses should work and how they can scale and how they can set up operations and how they can grow and how they can exit for life-changing money. But when Nick comes to me and he comes to our team, he goes like, listen, I have this, I have this, this basically this business podcast about this one topic, but I'm so much deeper than this. Like there's so much more to me than this one niche. And I want to be able to, to, to change up how I look. I want to change up how I feel because I want to talk about more subjects. And here's the thing, like with personal branding, when when you have extreme credibility or really a, a niche understanding in a, in a specific area, people come to you for that one thing. You don't have to look very good. You don't have to be well-rounded. It doesn't really matter how you show up because if you own that space, if you are the name in that space, your knowledge and credibility will take you wherever you want to go. But when someone like Nick wants to expand beyond just being the scale up guy. And he wants to start having different conversations with different leaders in different areas. They start to look at him and they start to judge him. They start, you know, as he expands and becomes more generalist, is he really standing out? Does he really look the part? Does he look a little bit too mom and pop? And so working through our core three process, we're able to work with him, someone like Nick, but we're able to work with Nick and, and really get to the heart of like, who are you? What does your brand stand for? What do you want to accomplish? Like really get rid of all the fuzz and lock it down. And then we're able to look at the target audience research, right? Cool. They, we, know, we know we have a persona for scaling businesses, which is entrepreneurs with you know, one to $6 million in revenue, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine. But now he wants to expand. He wants to hit a new level, new audiences, new people. Who are these people? What do they care about? What do they want to hear? How do you need to show up? How does your past experiences translate to this new group? And then ultimately, he's moving into a new space. So guess what? It's not like it's, it's blue ocean, right? Where he's moving into a red ocean space. There's lots of other people doing what he wants to do. So what are they doing? What is the competitive intel? What does the marketplace look like? Not so you can copy them, so you can, in fact, stand out and do something that's different. And the power of our process is once you really lock down really lock down who you are and what you want. And once you can tap into our, our advanced market research tools to really understand who the audience is and what they want, 
And once we understand what the competitive Intel is doing, the overlap, the Venn diagram, the overlap of those three things reveals to us and reveals to our client like Nick, what they need to say, how they need to say it, where they need to show up and how they need to look to be able to make a deep connection, grow your audience, sell more, whatever it might be. Can you repeat the questions and go a little bit deeper? Sure, sure. So so Core 3 is based on three core elements for every brand. There's three players. I, you know, uh, I, I've heard Navy SEALs talk about the fact that when they go to war, the, the enemy always has a vote in how the war goes. Huh. Well, when you're developing a brand, guess what? There are three players in this brand. There's you, what you want. There's the audience or the customers or the prospects, what they want. And then there's the competitors, right? This place is not empty. So the core three elements, the first element is you. What is, what is your experience? What is your past? What is your perspective? What are your values? What do you stand for? What is your voice? Like what makes you, you? Not the fake version of you, not the persona version of you, the actual you. What do you want to achieve? What do you want to accomplish? Who do you want to help? For what reasons? So we work through a series of exercises and different analysis to help basically discover, discover as much as we can, to distill down to the only the elements that matter for this specific project. Mm -hmm. And then we define each of these elements. Perfect. We know what you want now. We know who you are. Now, this dictates our audience. Let me ask you a question. If you were going, if, if, if a wedding was happening in a few weeks, and you show up to the stag do or the bachelorette party or the bachelor party, that's a version of you. But that's not the same version of you that's going to show up to the church on Saturday or Sunday morning, right? <laughs> like, like, let's be honest, right? The one at the stag, you know, maybe if this was a movie, if this was a 40-year-old version or something, people are off in the corner, you know, doing blow off of hookers' chests and stuff like that, right? That is not the person who's showing up to the church. But, but both versions of you are still you. It's not like you're lying in one or the other. They're, they're just different versions of you. And so once we look at the second core element, the audience, who are they? Not, not general personas, but who are they? Where do they go? What do they care about? What matters to them deeply? And we get super specific. We now have a little bit of insight. We can now tailor how we show up, what we say to connect with what our audiences want most. And having run a, a video business for 15 years, I can tell you that people always ask, like, how do we get people to watch our videos? Just give them the information they want or entertain them or tell them what they want to hear. Like, it's, it's really that simple. It's not what we want to say. It's what our audiences want. And so we work through, through really advanced market research tools we bought into. And we're able to find out all this information more so than any other time in the history of the world are we able to really get into what people care about, what they want, where they go. And then the last is the competitive intel. That's the third element. What's the marketplace? What are your competitors doing? Who are they? How established are they? What do they spend? Where do they spend it? Where do they show up? What do they say? Again, not so we're going to copy them, but so we can make sure that we're showing up different. And once you really know who you are, and you really know what your audience wants so you can say the right things, and you're showing up in a way that stands out, that's what every brand needs. That's what every brand wants. And that's essentially what we help people with.
Boom, music break, CTA, you nailed it. Thanks, man. <laughs> no, really. I mean, uh, and I love your interview be style because it's it's so like it's so different from any other interview I've ever been a part of, man. <laughs> is it a good thing or a bad thing? It's fun. This is yes. fun. It's like it's yes. like rapid fire. It's like it's like you're like that an artist. That was the goal. Because you have so much cookies, you know, you have so much cookies and I don't know what cookie to eat. So I took cookie from here and cookie from there and cookie. <laughs> You're the cookie monster. If you want to know more about what I do or the core three brand strategy process, just head over to my website, Fanta.com. That's P-H-A-N-T-A.com. Or if you want to connect with me one-on-one, head over to Instagram. My handle is at Mark Drager. Drop me a DM and let's jump into a conversation. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.